0: big win for religious liberty yesterday at the Supreme Court. The court ruled 6 to 3 in Kennedy versus Bremerton School District that the school violated coach Joseph Kennedy's rights when it fired him for kneeling and saying a private prayer after football games. The biggest takeaway is that religious freedom is not completely dead in America. But the second biggest takeaway, and this has been underreported, is that liberals have absolutely no idea what conservatives actually believe. Instantly after the decision came out, a bunch of prominent libs on social media jumped at what they thought was going to be conservative hypocrisy. You saw a million variations of, well, if you think conservatives should be allowed to pray privately at school, then you probably think that Jews and Muslims should be allowed to do that too, right? Gotcha. To which all of the conservatives replied, uh-huh. Yep. Sounds good. It wasn't wasn't the first time that we've seen this kind of thing. We were seeing this liberal disconnect for weeks after the Carson decision from the Supreme Court. If you think Christian students in Maine should be able to spend their education funding at Christian schools, then maybe Jews and Muslims should be allowed to spend it at their own schools. Huh? Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. After the Dobbs decision, you want to ban abortion? Huh? Well, maybe we should pass a law to make men support the women that they impregnate. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. Where do I sign up for that? I cool. Let's uh, let me co-sponsor that. You you don't like gay marriage, huh? Well, if you're such a defender of marriage, what if we made it harder for straight couples to get divorced? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. You support the Second Amendment, huh? So uh, you think it's fine for black men to own guns? I do, yes. One in four black men in America already own guns, and black rifles and black people, they're both great in my book. The list goes on and on. It is a huge political weakness for the libs. I think it probably explains in part why conservatives have been making such unusual gains in recent years. If you want to defeat your opponent, the first thing that you've got to do is try to understand your opponent. Right now, the conservatives generally understand what motivates the libs. And the libs don't have even the foggiest notion of what motivates us. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Juan Estevas, who says, it's crazy how fast they went from my body, my choice to eugenics. It is, it's crazy, it's wild, it's nuts to see. But it's not crazy in the sense that eugenics is the logical conclusion of that. If your politics is just all about your will and just what you want all the time, and it's not about reason or logic or morality, it's just about what you want, then eugenics is going to be the obvious conclusion of that. That's not just true now. It's been true throughout all of human history. When you divorce reason and logic and the moral order from politics, things get ugly real fast. who have no idea what conservatives believe. It's even the squishy conservatives, the center left, the former conservatives. David Frum, David Frum, who was a speechwriter during the Bush administration. He was a vaguely kind of conservative guy, and now he's a sort of center liberal guy. He tweeted out after the the Kennedy case, after the case that uh, vindicated the football coach for praying privately after the football games, he said, "Supreme Court opens way for rousing chants of Allahu Akbar before high school sporting events." Haha, you conservatives! You're going to because David Frum's idea here is that the conservatives, while they're celebrating the Christian being able to pray privately after the football games, the Christ, the conservatives hate Muslims, and so if the Muslims pray, we're we're really going to hate that, right? Which to me is not only false it not only rings false it rings extremely dated though I suppose it makes sense coming from from because from came to prominence during the bush years and during the bush years it was at least commonly believed that the Muslims they're our real enemy the radical Islamic extremists they're the real threat to civilization I suspect today it feels a little bit different doesn't it which group do you think poses a greater threat? to your way of life and to your kids and to your rights and to your country. Do you think it's the Muslims or do you think it's the radical leftists? I got to tell you these days if I'm saying what's the most immediate threat, look, Islam, the Muslim groups have it been invading the west since the 7th century. So I'm not saying there's no threat there. Battle of Lepanto, Battle of Vienna, Battle of Poitiers. There listen, this is a long-standing tradition, okay? But today, right now in the year of our Lord 2022, what poses the greatest threat to me? Islam or radical leftism? It's radical leftism. No question about that. We're talking about schools. I would much sooner send my child to a madrasa than I would send him to most woke public schools because Whatever differences I have with the Muslims on matters of theology, philosophy, and the like, at least the Muslims aren't going to try to convince my son he's a little girl, okay? What, whatever dis- disagreements I have with the Islamic world, Frankly, the, the claims that are made by radical leftism, boys are secretly girls. Babies aren't really babies. we need, Everyone who built our civilization is evil. <laughs> there is no God. All the claims of, of the radical left are way more dangerous than what, whatever whatever claims are being made by the Muslim world. But people don't quite get that. People don't quite, they, they really believe, someone like David Frum, I guess, or the the rest of these guys, they really believe that conservatives we just hate Muslims and it's it's just not true. It's just is it, is it true? You ask yourself if you are a conservative, if you're a center right, do you is that is that really what you think the fear is Allahu Akbar at, at high schools a Muslim or a Jew or some, making a private prayer? No, I think the far greater risk to our civilization comes from atheism. The libs are especially blind. On issues of faith and morals, you saw this yesterday on the View. You know that that uh, forum of elevated public debate, the View. Joy Behar made the claim that we are now living because of decisions like the one yesterday. We are now living in a theocracy. Don't we have uh, separation? Yes. No, we don't anymore. I mean, Clarence Thomas Thomas needs to have a seance and have Thomas Jefferson there and Alexander (laughs) Hamilton. Hello. Yeah. Uh, do we still have uh, a separation of church and state here as in the Constitution? It, yeah. It's a, it's a, the First uh, no Amendment same. guarantee and I we mean, don't seem to have that anymore. Six, well, six we're in a the, theocracy right now. And six of the nine. That was an amazing clip from The View because nothing they said was true and everything they said was false and they managed to fit <laughs> many, many false and ignorant statements into about 20 seconds. Joy Behar says, do we still have separation of church and state? we never had a separation of church and state. That's not real. Tuck that one away with the boogeyman. That's never existed. Is that still in the constitution? It, it is not in the constitution. There is no, go, Right now, pull up the constitution, full text of the constitution, do a, do a search for separation of church and state. You will not find it. Yeah, it's in the first amendment. The first amendment has something called the establishment clause, which says that there won't be a nationally established church. The reason for that at the time of the ratification of the Constitution, is that the states had established churches. It's not a, not a firm separation of church and state. Let's get Jefferson on the phone. Jefferson did use that phrase one time in a private letter. Let's get Hamilton on the phone. Hamilton was not some great defender of the separation of church and state because it's not possible. Joy Behar says, we're living in a theocracy now. We're not. I mean, would that it were so simple. We are living in an extremely religious increasingly totalitarian state. It has very extreme moral claims. But it's not it's not a Christian theocracy, that's for sure. It's a different kind of religious state. All, all politics is in a certain sense theocratic because everyone's making claims about human nature and how we're supposed to live together and what society should look like and what morality is. But the, the only difference is that now, instead of living in a Christian theocracy or a Muslim theocracy or Jewish theocracy. We're living in a theocracy of leftism, in a a religious state of leftism. I don't know if you've seen Rockefeller Plaza recently. In Rockefeller Plaza in New York, one of the most famous scenes in New York, all of the American flags have been replaced by gay pride flags. I don't know if you've seen London recently, any photos coming out of London. All of the British flags have been replaced by rainbow flags, pride flags. Those are moral claims. Those are religious claims. The religious claims that men can secretly be women. That's in the new trans pride flag. The religious claim that men and women are not meant for one another, that the the purpose of our bodies and our sexuality is not to come together, men and women, and produce babies, but to just have whatever sex gives us pleasure whatever sort of titillates us. Those are religious claims. Maybe you agree with those religious claims, but you have to at least admit they are religious claims. And the state is elevating them. The state is elevating them so much that we're getting rid of our old flags, the symbol of our nations, and replacing them with the new flags of a liberal empire based on new liberal international transnational values that are just as true in Tahiti, according to the libs, as they are in our own countries, and flags that stand for morals, a, a certain moral view that happens to be at odds with the traditional views of our civilization. It's, it's, the, it's theocratic, it's extremist, it's totalitarian, just not the way that the libs are pretending that it is. And when things are going haywire like they are right now, you want to protect your property and your prosperity and your wealth. That's why you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. Our nation's authorities are openly admitting to having completely missed the flashing red lights of inflation and this administration's failed economic policy. Quote, I was wrong about the path inflation would take. That's what Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said. There have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that at the time I didn't fully understand. That's what the Treasury Secretary is saying didn't fully understand. There you have it. Straight from the horse's mouth, I didn't fully understand. Now, I know that you are worried about affording basic necessities in the months to come, food, gas, shelter, but she didn't know. She didn't know. It's not her fault. Goes without saying, you can't trust these so-called authorities on economic policy, which is why you should invest at least some of your money in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. Protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k, or IRA into physical gold. It's not too late. The best time to take action was yesterday. The second best time is today. Text Knowles to 989898. Get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. Birch Gold Group has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Text Knowles to 989898. Get real advice from Birch Gold today. Text Knowles to 989898. Claim your free no-obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold speaking of foreigners i've got really bad news i'm sorry i have to have to report this to you as a result of the dobbs decision hundreds of thousands of babies per year will now be saved from being murdered that's true and the people of the states get to uh, choose their own abortion laws which is something that's a right that they have not had since 1973 but on the on the flip side of that Pokemon might leave the country. Yes, the Roe versus Wade news is absolutely terrible. I tweeted about it, I RT'd a couple things, I faved a couple things. It's just tough because. What more can we even say at this point? We've said it all. It's depressing. I booked a ticket back to Canada. Like, No, Pokimani. Pokimani, you're going back to Canada? No. How can you? First question, just before we move on, who is Pokimani? I don't know. I saw this headline come up. I had not heard of Pokimani. I had heard of Pokemon, the the Japanese cartoon, but I had not heard of Pokimani. She is a Twitch streamer. And not only is she a Twitch streamer, uh, she is not American. She is, from my very modest Googling, uh, she is Moroccan and Canadian, but she's in America right now and she's very upset by the Dobbs decision to save the babies. And why is she upset? She can't quite articulate it. She says, what is there to say? For someone like Pokimani, probably there's not quite a lot to say. And she says, I'm I'm going back to Canada. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's fine. Why, why do I care what Pokemon thinks? I certainly don't. Even further, why should I care what a Moroccan Canadian thinks about my laws? Why should I care about that? And why should I care that this foreign Twitch streamer is now going to leave my country because she's so angry that we're not going to kill quite so many babies? Why, why should her opinion have any effect on me whatsoever. It does not she has influenced some people but not with me. She's not the only foreigner who's weighing in on this issue. Uh, we've we've got uh, Mr Macron, Emmanuel Macron, the leader of France who uh, is very upset about the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs for some reason. And he tweeted out, quote, abortion is a fundamental right for all women. It must be protected. I wish to express my solidarity with the women whose liberties are being undermined by the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, the irony, there's, there's so many layers of irony to Macron's statement, but the top line is, in France, abortions are only allowed for any reason up until 14 weeks. Up until 14 weeks. The law in America, the Mississippi law that brought the Dobbs decision to overrule Roe v. Wade to let the states make their own abortion laws, the, the, the Mississippi law bans abortions after 15 weeks. Abortion is more restricted in France than it is in Mississippi, which is the center point of this case. <laughs> And yet Macron weighs in and goes, this is terrible what you Americans are doing. You are getting rid. You are making your, your abortion laws almost as restrictive as ours are. This is a fundamental right. Abortion, obviously, is not a fundamental right. But even if it were, America would be, even in Mississippi, would be protecting that right more than more than Macron is. Denmark's prime minister, Mette Fredriksson, Mette says, My heart weeps for the girl. I'm not going to do a a Danish impression. I just don't have, my Danish accent is not quite so good. My heart weeps for the girls and women of the USA. Whenever I don't have an accent, I just do Jordan Peterson. My heart weeps for the girls and women of the USA. Huge setback. The right to a free abortion is one of the most fundamental rights there is. (laughs) Hmm? Wow, they're really escalating the rhetoric. It's not just abortion, safe, legal, and rare. Every abortion's a tragedy, but we have to permit it for some reason. Then it became no abortion's a right. Now it's abortion's one of the most fundamental (laughs) rights there is. Life is the most fundamental right there is. Without the right to life, no other rights can possibly exist. Now the libs are inverting that. They're saying the right, quote unquote, to kill your own child is one of the most fundamental rights. Does that seem coherent to you? Not to me. She goes, we must never compromise the unrestricted right of women to decide over their own bodies and future. You know the irony here? Layers and layers of irony. You probably are guessing it. In Denmark, unrestricted abortion is only allowed up to 12 weeks. The Danish laws on abortion are much more restrictive than the Mississippi law. It's so so ignorant. They just don't, Either they don't know what our laws are, the laws that they're weighing in on and pontificating on, or they just want to hold us to a different standard than they're holding themselves. The one good thing here, outside of the ignorance and presumption of of Macron and this and Fredrickson, is it, it shows you just how important the Dobbs decision is, because the Dobbs decision doesn't just affect America. Because America isn't just a nation. America is, in fact, an empire. And everyone around, if you've ever traveled around the world, especially near an American election, you will know that virtually every other country on earth treats the American election as very important to their own countries. Treats the American election as though they are part of an American empire, because in many ways they are. And so when America does something like this, when America radically changes course and says, you know, we're not, we're not going to outlaw abortion, unfortunately, just yet, but we are going to restrict abortion and allow the people to make their own abortion restrictions. That has reverberations outside of just the United States. That, that has reverberations throughout the world, even just in the fact that America in its foreign policy now will be more reined in in promoting abortion because there is no national right to an abortion. There is no constitutional right to an abortion. Speaking of foreigners, another big win from the Supreme Court, not the US Supreme Court, but the New York Supreme Court, which just yesterday ruled that a law in New York City allowing non-citizens to vote is unconstitutional. And it's not unconstitutional according to the US Constitution. It's unconstitutional according to the New York State Constitution. This was Judge Ralph Porzio of the New York Supreme Court for Long Island, ruled that the city violated the state constitution, which says that every citizen is entitled to vote. But if you're not a citizen, you are not entitled to vote. And This is a big deal. The law allowed an estimated 800,000 to 1 million non-citizens, illegal aliens living in New York City uh, to, to vote. And I should be even more precise with my language here. It's not just that this law was aimed at allowing people who cross the border illegally from Latin America to vote. But we're, we're talking about non-citizens who have legal status. We're talking about non-citizens who have a green card, but they're not citizens. The, the law would have allowed them to vote in the city elections. There are only 6.7 million people voting age in New York City. So then you're going to allow another million people who are foreigners to vote. Obviously, that is going to swing elections. And the court came in and said, no, you don't have the right to do that. We are going to protect our elections. We are going to protect our people. We are going to protect our sovereignty. we're, We're going to have a real country, guys. That's been the takeaway from the past couple of weeks. You get to practice your religion. Some woke lunatic isn't going to tell you no. You get to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Some woke lunatic isn't going to tell you no. We're going to protect our babies. We're not going to tolerate killing a million babies a year, upwards of a million babies a year, just because the libs want us to. We are going to protect the integrity of our election. We're going to have a real country, folks. And that's really, really great news. Now, Speaking of foreigners, there, there is another aspect to all of this, which is not getting a ton of play in the media, but we should, we should mention it now so that when, when tragic events come to pass, we will at least have predicted them. All of this consternation that everyone's talking about, all of the rancorous debates in our country over the court decisions is giving up the perfect timing to this news story. Ghislaine Maxwell is on suicide watch. Now, you know tomorrow we've got Backstage Live coming to the Ryman Auditorium, the historic Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. If you haven't seen it in person, take a listen. Welcome to the Daily Wire Backstage Live at the famous Ryman Auditorium. It was amazing. We were in the presence of greatness. The energy of having everyone on the same page was amazing. If your family member is still waiting for Fauci to give them permission to leave their house, it might be time to cut that off. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually pretty excited to meet all of them. I love everybody's opinion individually. I don't have a favorite, I like them all. I had found out a way to make football players cry in high school, my high school experience. Had been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to be here and be surrounded by like-minded people, and to just, you know, feel that energy. Who should we remove from office? Yeah, you One you politician. The most powerful politician in the country. <laughs> Dr. Fauci. Dr. <Doctor>, Fauci, <laughs> what are you talking about? We're doing culture here. I'm so thrilled to see this happening. If they say to half of the country, you can't, that half of the country needs to say, screw you, we will. Head on over to dailywire.com noles Knowles right now. Get 25% off your new membership today. That's dailywire.com noles And you can tune in and stream backstage live at the Ryman Auditorium tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, to find out what's next. We have some pretty big stuff coming down the pike. We'll be right back with a lot more. I'm pretty sure Hillary Clinton has already uh, sent her condolences on the future suicide of Ghislaine Maxwell. It's so sad that she will have killed herself very soon. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, the uh, romantic and business partner of Jeffrey Epstein, procurer of Young Girls Madam for Creepy pedo Island. Ghislaine Maxwell has been placed on suicide watch. She is therefore prohibited from reviewing legal materials prior to her sentencing for, uh, for her crimes. Uh, she is not being permitted to meet with her counsel. She will be formally moving on uh, Monday for an adjournment. This is uh, according to her attorney, Bobby Sternheim. Now, according to the attorney, this is what's really weird. Ghislaine Maxwell is being placed on suicide watch despite not being suicidal. It's according to the attorney and a psychologist who evaluated Maxwell backed up that assessment, according to Reuters. So Ghislaine Maxwell says she's not suicidal. Her attorney says she's not suicidal. A psychologist that independently came in and assessed her says she's not suicidal. But the government says she's suicidal. And so she's going to have all these new restrictions placed on her and hope she's okay. Hope a couple cameras don't go out. Hope those guards don't accidentally sleep through their duty while Hillary just sneaks in the back and chokes the ever-loving life out of her with her her own bare hands and then walks out in a Groucho classes or something and uh, never is Ghislaine heard from again. I don't know if Ghislaine Maxwell will be suicided or not. Or you know if she's just really secretly depressed and will off herself. The only thing I would point out from a political perspective, if someone means to do Ghislaine Maxwell harm, If, for instance, Ghislaine Maxwell has extremely damaging blackmail on the most powerful people on earth, and almost she alone has it, uh, this would be a good time to offer because everyone is focused on everything else. Everyone is focused on the repeal of, or the overturning rather, of Roe v. Wade. This is the most important Supreme Court development on one of the most contentious social issues in 50 years. That would be a good time the end of the term, the fireworks from the Supreme Court. You've got the midterm elections coming up. You've got this crazy economy at war in the Middle East. There's a lot going on in the news that could distract people if certain influential people or institutions or corrupt politicians or whoever want want to off Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm calling it now, Ghislaine Maxwell did not kill herself. Speaking of weird sex stuff, there was a um, there have been a number of protests of the Dobbs decisions. Uh, politicians screaming, young women protesting with babies and fake blood and things like that. Uh, women in Dallas took a different tack. Uh, they protested the Dobbs decision by by twerking everywhere in public. Just a lot of twerking. It seems to all be women. Or, or generally sort of androgynous people, and they're all twerking on each other. My, my body, my choice. People kind of rolling on the ground and shaking and jiggling. Uh, there, there were various screams and cries of the sort of, you know, slut walk chants. You forget about. I don't want to be a mother down with the patriarchy. I'm a, I'm a proud slut and a hoe and all that kind of stuff. Uh, m- my only take on these protests, uh, the ladies, if they want to twerk, I suppose they can twerk. My only take on the protests is if you are just a normal person, right? And you don't pay a ton of attention to politics and you you're not a pro-life advocate going out in the street praying rosaries in front of Planned Parenthoods, and you're not a pro-choice activist, a pro-abortion activist who's going out there and and making your voice heard. If you're just a kind of ordinary person in the middle who goes about your daily life and goes to work and takes care of your family, and you see this and you see that, is that going to convince you to join their cause? I don't think so. I don't think it will. The, the women who are going out there and jiggling and twerking and screaming, I think they misunderstand what ordinary people want. I don't think that ordinary people want to be just degenerate, promiscuous. <laughs> Degenerates. I, I guess it's a little redundant. But I don't think that's what most people aspire to be. And even if the twerking and the protest is ironic, they seem to believe that the conservatives are, are trying to protect babies just because we hate women or we or we hate sexuality or we, we're really... If you look at pro-life people, you'll notice they tend to have a lot of kids. They're not, they're not sex negative, okay? They're pretty sex positive. They just realize that sex is supposed to exist within certain constraints. The fact that sex is so very important to our nature which the libs have been telling us for so, so long. I mean, that's behind the transgender movement. That's behind the whole rainbow movement. They're saying sex is so important that we've got to take it very seriously. That's what the pro-lifers are saying. They're saying, yes, sex is very, very important. And it's a very powerful force. And it can go off the rails like those ladies in Dallas are showing you. And so we've got to make sure it remains within certain confines so that it can be ordered in the right way. And we can channel that and don't end up like them. I hope these women keep twerking. I think every time one of these women jiggles, we get another pro-life activist. Every time someone sees one of these people shaking around, we're going to get another Republican vote in November. The libs are very upset at this idea of limiting our sexual desires and behaviors. Business Insider, I think they've rebranded just to Insider. This is a a very far uh, left-wing news outlet. They're very upset that Gen Z right now is going to be having less sex. Actually, Gen Z doesn't have a lot of sex. They have very open, promiscuous views on sex, but they have less real-life, actual sex than previous generations. Headline, swearing off men and avoiding intimacy, Gen Z reconsiders sex in the wake of a post-Roe world. Madeline V might be done with men altogether. A 24-year-old marketing assistant who identifies as bisexual, Madeline who asked that Insider only use her first name, has decided that sticking to female partners may be the safest sexual route these days. It's not a fear of men, exactly, that has inspired this young woman to consider swearing off an entire gender. It's the heightened fear of unwanted pregnancy and a subsequent lack of options that has forced Madeline to proceed with sexual caution in the wake of Friday's Supreme Court decision gutting federal abortion rights protections. All right so, so Insider, this left-wing outlet, is is writing this as though this should be horrifying to everybody. It's it's just like those people at the top of the show. Here and this is it's not that she fears and hates men. It's that she doesn't she doesn't want to have an unwanted pregnancy if she's not allowed to kill her child. So now she's going to be a little more sexually cautious. Great. <laughs> good, good. Good. That's sort of the point. That's good for the baby obviously, the baby who Will not be killed through abortion, but it's good. It's good for society that we won't have this sexual chaos everywhere. But it's good for Madeline. It's good for Madeline too. Does anybody still seriously believe, years after Me Too, years after the the uh, enough is enough movement? Does anyone seriously believe that hookup culture is really, really good for women? The the article goes on. I, I wish I could read the entire article for you. They say. Quoting, quoting a young woman surprisingly enough I've actually had dreams where I'm pregnant and I can't find a way to take care of myself Adeline said correcting herself saying the visions were more akin to nightmares she can't find a way to take care of herself what about a um, a husband have you thought if you become pregnant it's probably not going to happen because you you sit on a toilet seat. If you become pregnant, it's going to happen because you have sex with somebody. What if, hear me out, I know this is crazy. What if you do what everyone did throughout all of human history until about 40 years ago and marry that person? And then you you don't need to worry about just taking care of yourself. You will have a husband who will go out and make money for you and provide Food and shelter for you, and you can raise the family, and you can you can do some work yourself as well. But you won't have to carry that whole whole heavy load yourself. You'll have what something that's called a family. So family, this is an old-fashioned concept. It existed well as recently as I don't know a couple decades ago. But a family is when people c- come together in something called a marriage, and a marriage. I know we've we've changed all the definitions and we, nothing means anything anymore. But a marriage is when a man and a woman come together and they love each other, ideally, and then they produce a child, like you're saying, you know, well, that part would have come first, but whatever, that's all, okay. And you come together and then you live together and you can even make more children and you can have a good life if you want. Or, or you can just continue to live alone in a sort of miserable, isolated, alienated existence, working for some other guy at a company, a, another guy who doesn't care about you and will throw you under the bus the second that you're no longer profitable to him. And uh, you, instead of sleeping with 100 different men, none of whom care about you at all, you can just sleep with your husband. And instead of killing your own children, you can actually give birth to them and raise them and have a loving, wonderful existence. I know it's radical and crazy. I'm not even, I'm being obviously somewhat, somewhat uh, humorous here in the way I'm describing it. But I actually think people probably do need to hear it. I actually think that the younger generations who have been raised in the madness of the sexual revolution and in the wake of the sexual revolution, probably don't think about these things all that much. Because the hookup culture is just, it's just ubiquitous. It's just the way that things are. The idea of getting married young and staying married and having kids and having a good life, it's it's a foreign concept. Frankly, it was, it was a somewhat foreign concept even when I was a teenager growing up in liberal places. I can't even imagine now. Ever since the draft decision was leaked, Adeline has had to re- entirely rethink whether or not she wants to start having sex, telling insider that she's terrified to make a choice that could leave her with an unwanted child. Not good. Catherine said uh, she's been left to reevaluate the consequences of casual sex that have suddenly become very real. Awesome. Great. She says, as much as I want to have fun in my 20s, what happens to me when the fun stops? What happens to me when I might be in need of an abortion and can't access that? What happens when the fun stops? Great question to ask yourself. In hookup culture, if you're just hooking up, you don't just bring up that stuff right away normally, she said. But when it comes to if you're actually going to sleep with someone, I think at at this point, that definitely needs to be addressed. This is really great stuff. The hookup culture is terrible for everyone. It's very enticing. It's very tempting. I know it seems fun at the time, but ultimately it's not fun and it makes everybody miserable. It's also probably the primary driver of the rape culture hysteria that was going on in, in recent years and the Me Too movement and all of that. None of that would have been possible without a culture that encouraged promiscuous sex. Obviously, rape would still happen, but the idea of a rape culture, this pervasive, endemic, sort of men exploiting women and pressuring women and Harvey Weinstein saying, come on up to my hotel suite. And these drunken rendezvous that occur all over colleges and bars where consent is very unclear and and the the lines that people want to to engage in, they're they're blurred lines. None of that would be possible without the sexual revolution and a culture of promiscuous sex. And the consequences of that have been disastrous, especially for women. But the main reason I want to bring up this article It's not even all of that. It's to remind conservatives of a very important truth, namely, culture very often is downstream of politics. You know, Andrew Breitbart had that famous line, politics is downstream of culture, which is true in as much as the movies matter, and the press matters, and books matter, and private civic associations matter. Yeah, that's all true. But Politics is downstream of culture is a slogan, and like all slogans, it cannot convey the the whole of reality. And if if politics is downstream of culture is taken to its extreme, it's nothing more than an excuse for conservatives and libertarians to ignore the political order and actual uh, government and the power that the people happily give us on occasion. Culture can be downstream of politics too. The example that I frequently use is East and West Germany. The German, East Germany was, was conquered by the Soviet Union for the latter half of the 20th century. West Germany remained free, remained part of the West. West Germany has very high rates of people who believe in God today. East Germany is almost entirely atheist. Why is that? Is that because of regional variations in Rotwurst and Bavarian donuts? No, it's because East Germany was dominated by an officially atheist regime for 40 years. That's why. These, these women are showing you this right now. They're saying, gosh, you know, when the law was a certain way, I, I engaged in this kind of behavior in my private life. But now that the law is different, I'm going to, I'm going to behave in a different way. This is something that we have known throughout all of history and that somehow conservatives and libertarians forgot for the last 30 or 40 years. But the law is a teacher. The law shapes society. Conservatives and libertarians especially are so good at understanding incentives, but we we seem to forget that when it comes to the law. When you create legal incentives for certain behaviors, you get more of them. When you create legal disincentives for certain behaviors, you get less of them. The incentives and disincentives created by Dobbs are absolutely magnificent, and we should double down on it, M- have much more pro-life legislation throughout the states. It will not only be good for the babies, though it obviously will be, it will be good for everyone involved. Speaking of the birds and the bees, uh, there was a Lib Blue Jack, Carrie Gosh, I don't know, haven't haven't heard of her before. She tweeted out something that I think really typifies the misunderstanding and misinformation going around the Dobbs case. She said, reporters and editors, reporters and editors, it is not a fetal heartbeat. At six weeks, it is cardiac activity, no organ has formed, in an embryo. It's not a fetal heartbeat. Stop reporting on these laws that protect life after there is a fetal heartbeat it's not a fetal heartbeat it's cardiac activity in an embryo and cardiac of course is a synonym for heart so it's a it's heart it's a heart active it's a heartbeat in an embryo which is a synonym for a fetus so it's a heartbeat in a fetus and and by the way fetus is just the latin word for offspring for child so what's the difference what's amazing this woman she said it's not it would be like saying, hey, 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 reporters, stop reporting on, on submarine sandwiches. Stop, stop reporting on a delicious Italian sub. It's an Italian hoagie. It's, a, it's not, that's not an Italian sub. That's a, that's a Calabrese hoagie. <laughs> you say, uh, well, I know you're using different words, but the words are referring to the same thing. And the libs have to change all the words. This is the uh, topic of my uh, book, number one, National Best-Selling Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Thank you to all of you who went out and bought it. This is the topic of, of my book. The libs, because the facts run against their arguments, the only recourse they are left with is to change the words and hope that people get confused. And sometimes the, uh, a real problem for the libs is that they believe their own euphemisms they forget the purpose of those euphemisms, which is to, to deceive people. And they end up deceiving themselves. They violate one of the most important rules. It was the best advice my mother ever gave me when I was a young boy and I was becoming very cocky because I'd gotten a good grade on a, an exam or something. And she said, Michael, don't believe your own press releases. That's very good advice. Don't believe your own press releases. The libs are believing their own press releases. They are high on their own supply and it's a, a political detriment to them because the they're actually not fooling anyone else. They're, no, they're no, no longer fooling the Supreme Court. They're no longer fooling the majority of Americans. If you look at polling, they only appear to be fooling themselves. And the more they change the words, they more, the more they seem to babble incoherently. Hence, you get, well, actually, before I even get to our vice president, I, I do want to get to our vice president. But before I get to her, I have to read this poem from probably the most prominent poet in America right now. This is that, that young girl who spoke at Joe Biden's inauguration. This is probably the most praised, lauded, fetid poet in America right now. She has 1.6 million Twitter followers. Here is her take on the Dobbs decision. <laughs> I, have to, I have to try to not laugh while I read this. We will not be delayed. We will not be masquerade to the tale of a handmaid. We will not let Roe v. Wade slowly fade because when we show up today, we're already standing up with the tomorrow we made. Let's get to work and then it's a link to some pro-abortion thing. Not exactly Wordsworth. (laughs) Not, uh, not, Not Shakespeare here, is it? One, at a grammatical level, we will not be masquerade this woman doesn't know what the word masquerade means. A masquerade is a, a noun if you uh, or a, or a verb you can you can masquerade as someone else. You cannot be masquerade. So she doesn't know what that word is. She then misspells handmade. She spells it H A N D M A D E, not M A I D. And then she rhymes made with maid with the same spelling. Not not very uh, Great poetry. Then she follows it up. She says, "Pregnancy is a private and personal decision. It should never require the permission of any politician." (laughs) Um, She's not a poet, and she don't even know it. But also, just the, the claim she's making at the top: pregnancy is a private and personal decision. It's not. It's not whatever you think about abortion. You can't say it's a private and personal matter. Pregnancy, by definition, involves another person. That's what makes it pregnancy. It, it is pregnancy because it involves a baby. If it doesn't involve a baby, then it's, then I don't, then it's just you have some growth in you. You have a polyp or something. The, what makes it a pregnancy is the other person. Completely incoherent. And the libs gobble this up. They don't know what it means. The poet doesn't know what it means. They don't really have any interest in finding out what things mean. They just go with the flow of the things that sound nice. And they're, they're not exercising their higher levels. Of thinking, which is which is why they're getting out foxed right now. It's sort of fine by me. Kamala Harris, our, our intrepid vice president, was just asked, "Hey, the number one issue for voters is not abortion. It's not the Dobbs decision. It's not religious liberty. It's the economy and inflation. What are you guys doing about inflation and recession?" Now, in- inflation is is really high. Are you concerned about a recession? The administration said um, that they weren't, weren't that worried about the in- about inflation, and then. That changed. I think that there can be no higher priority than what we have been clear is our highest priority, which is bringing down the costs and the prices as much as we possibly can, and we will stay focused on that. Kamala Harris, I think, is doing her impression of that poet. There can be no higher priority than what is our uh, is our priority, and is the handmade and the way and the V and the she's she's just repeating the question. She's just repeating the, she's making the first part of her statement. There can be no higher priority than, and then she just repeats, what is our highest priority? Sort of tautological, isn't it? Isn't that a, a truism? Yes, it's true. There can be no higher priority than what is their highest priority, but they can't articulate what the highest priority is. And I think it's because they don't know. They don't have any answers. It is a failure of understanding. It's not even this isn't just me throwing bombs, calling these people idiots. They might be idiots, but that's that's sort of beside the point. They simply do not get even what the question is right now. They do not get what is motivating conservatives. They do not understand what is motivating the opposition to them. And so if they don't get that part, they're certainly not going to be able to figure out how to solve anything or how to beat us. And that's fine by me. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover, Production Manager Pavel Vidovsky, Editor and Associate Producer Danny D'Amico, Associate Producer Justine Turley, Audio Mixer Mike Coromina, and Hair and Makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor in Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire.